Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri, and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, what's up, Abundant Life? If you have a copy of God's Word, why don't you grab the copy of God's Word you got? Jeremiah chapter 2 is where we're going to be at this morning. Pastor Phil is preaching down the street at a sister church this morning. He is encouraging one of our other churches in the area because their pastor is celebrating 20 years of faithful ministry. And so we're praying for Pastor Phil as he's down the road preaching this morning. But we're here getting ready to wrap up our last installment of Fountain City. Now, if you're new to the Kansas City area, the reason why we're calling this series is really twofold. It's one, uh, Fountain City is twofold. One is that um, we're, we, we're the, the city of fountains, like Kansas City. We got a thing, you know? We've got this thing where uh, we have more working fountains than any other city in the world. World, world, world. We're proud of it, right? We're excited. But, but more importantly, we've been looking at God's Word, and God's Word has a lot to say about Jesus being represented as a fountain of living water. And we've been looking at different places and this invitation that Jesus makes that we can come, all who can come to him and drink from this fountain of living water. And it's this invitation that we get to even look forward to a day in heaven where there's gonna be a river flowing through the downtown of heaven in Jerusalem of living water that we're gonna get to participate in. And I'm so excited to be wrapping up this last installment of Fountain City. I don't know if you've gotten out in the city much and seen some of the fountains, but there's a what I would say one of the best kept secrets in Kansas City is this little enclave, this little place in, um, in the Nelson Atkins Art Museum. I don't know if you've ever been to the Nelson Atkins Art Museum, but there's a, a place where you can go and like have brunch, you can drink coffee, and they have a fountain there as well. You can see the picture of the fountain right here. Not much of a fountain, but it just sets the mood there. You know, like it feels like you're traveling over to Europe or some place like that, like you're stepping back in time. There should be Roman people and togas or something like that out there, you know, and you're sitting there and, and the, the, the the fountain, it just makes the environment, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of cathartic. It's like therapeutic. You got the sound and the sight and, and it just feels good and it sounds good. It's just, it's just good to be there. A couple of years ago, I took my family around this time of year out to the Nelson Atkins. And um, if, we, if we're just now meeting, I've got these three little girls and we were having a good time. Here's a picture of them. And this is a couple of years ago and we were all excited. This is good. We're exploring the Nelson Atkins. And, and I had a great idea. I was like, you know what? I should take the girls to the labyrinth. I don't know if you've ever seen the labyrinth at the Nelson Atkins. If you haven't, I got another picture of that right here. Here's the labyrinth. It's like a corn maze made out of glass, all right? And if you're anything like me, like I've ran into a few storm doors in my life, as you can tell, okay? And I didn't know that was hereditary, but apparently it is. So we go into the labyrinth. And I'm thinking this is gonna be a great, a great experiment with my kids. And so I've got my two older kids and I've got my younger one of the two, Elizabeth, by the hand. And Lydia, the, the firstborn, she just kind of takes off in the labyrinth. And I'm like, hey, babe, you wanna grab daddy's hand? And she's basically, she's not like being rebellious, like, no, dad, I got it. But she's just kind of like doing her own thing, you know? She's like, no, I think I'll be good. And so she's walking through the labyrinth and the inevitable happens. She hits an invisible wall and you hear a thud. And she kind of does like this after she hits the glass and she looks at me and and she's kind of like, I'm okay. You know, and I'm like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, well, well, come grab daddy by the hand and and I'll, I'll help you navigate the labyrinth. And and she's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm good. And so she starts going back down the labyrinth and in the little maze and now she's picking up momentum and she's picking up speed and it happens again. (laughs) And you can hear it this time. It's like a low thud, you know? 
And, uh, and then I look up and, I, and here come the tears, you know, and I pick up the one daughter and I go to this one that's just been hurt and, and I just say, well, you know, where did you hit yourself? And she just signals to all of her face, you know. And uh, man, she had smoked her head, goose egg. I was like, man, I, I, can't, I can't miss the moment. So I took a picture of her right here. You can see her face, look at her. She's in a bad place right there. I'm talking the next day, two black eyes, she smoked her face, right? And, and listen, she, she did all of this in the name of like freedom. Like she was like, you know what? I don't need dad's hand. I'm gonna do my own thing. You know, I've got this. And, and inevitably she ran into an invisible wall that she could not see all because she chose freedom rather than following her father's lead. I start there this, this morning because we do the same thing with God, right? Like God, he gives us this invitation, grab my hand, let me help you navigate this thing called life. And, and most of us, at some point in our life, we just kind of say, you know what, I got this. I'm gonna do my own thing. You know, I'm gonna choose freedom over following God. And it's only a matter of time till we run into something that may be invisible, but inevitable that we get hurt. I don't know if you know this or not, but man, God has good plans for your life. God is good. We say this back at church, God is good. And all the time, yeah, we used to say that all the time because we were just trying to say, God is good, man. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He is for you, not against you. God is the inventor of excitement. God is the, he patent pleasure. God is the, he's the genius behind all goodness. And so it should make sense that if we want to experience life and life to the fullest, we need to grab a hold of God's hand. But we have this tendency just to let go of his hand and forsake that opportunity to follow him. And anytime we do that, listen, we get hurt. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled the message, Forsaking the Fountain of Life. Forsaking the Fountain of Life. And I want you to see from God's word, two evils and one amazing truth. Jeremiah, he's known as the weeping prophet because he, in tears, he asked people to return to the Lord his entire life. And he was living in a time in his life where he was like up here and saying like, oh, would y'all come back to the Lord? Would you return? Would you, would you get your life right, so to speak? And people were like, no, 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 we're gonna do things our own way. We got our own thing that we're gonna do our own way. And they keep hitting wall after wall after wall. And Jeremiah's just pleading with them. Would you return? Would you return? The way that you're living your life is not gonna end well for you. And the inevitable happened to God's people in the lifetime of Jeremiah. Destruction fell upon them because they would not return to the Lord. In one of Jeremiah's first sermons that we have recorded in Jeremiah chapter two, it basically just goes like this. You don't love God like you used to. And you're turning to idols. You can almost hear the pain in his voice. And if you would just please come back, God will forgive you. And he's going down this list in Jeremiah chapter two and he kind of just brings it all into focus in verse 13. And here's what it says in Jeremiah two thirteen. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns. That means they dug themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jeremiah's saying there's just two evils. This is the, here's the point of the sermon. There's two evils that you need to identify in your life. He says, you've forsaken God, and then you've dug out some places that are lifeless. If you're taking notes this morning, let's just look at this first observation. Evil number one, here it is. You have forsaken God. You have forsaken God. Again, Jeremiah is speaking on behalf of God. He's saying that when you forsake God, it's evil. Now, I think that we all have kind of a general understanding of what evil is. Let me just kind of bring us all on the same page, though. Evil, it's, it's literally bad. It's wicked. You know, I think we all know that. But evil can also mean that it can cause ruin or injury. And when he's saying that you've forsaken God, what this can mean is that you, I mean, it can mean, yeah, I ran in the opposite direction. 
And I was like, peace forgets you. But it could also just simply mean that you left that thing or that person behind. Here's the point. If you leave God behind, it's bad. It's wicked. And it can cause ruin or injury. That they, Lydia was in the labyrinth. My first one, when she was in the labyrinth, she, she forsook the relationship that I was offering her. She chose um, independence over intimacy with me, and it caused hurt in her life. She ran into a wall because she was on her own. I wonder, have you forsaken God this morning? Have you left him behind? Now, I don't think that you would have been here this morning, or you'd be, you'd be where you're at this morning joining us for church um, if you hated God. You know, I, I, I doubt you woke up this morning like, you know what, I hate God so much, I'm going to church, right? I'm gonna show him, right? I don't think that's probably you, right? Like, so I don't think that the majority of people that are with us this morning, I don't think that you're like, you know what, I hate God, I'm, I'm gonna forsake God, but you may have just left him behind. Like, you ever come to places like this, and you're like, man, God just feels distant. You know, like you, you enter in the time of music, and, and there was a time where you can remember, like, man, I just felt like me and God, we were like this when I was singing, but, man, this song just ain't doing it for me. You, you ever listen to a message like this, and, and, the, and the guy's preaching, and there was a time you can remember, like, man, the preacher, he used to scratch my rash, but no more, you know? It just does it's not connected with me anymore. It just feels like, God, you just feel distant because of one reason or another, I just wonder, who do you think moved? You ever heard of that old country couple? And they were going to church. They'd been married for many years. And wife looked over at her husband and said, why don't you hold me closely like you used to in the truck? We used to drop it down into fourth gear and put your hand right on my knee. We don't sit closely in the truck anymore. And he looked right back at her and said, I haven't moved a bit. that she over time had nudged and inched and worked her way to the passenger door. And she felt distant, but she was the one that had moved. If you feel distant in your relationship with God, who do you think has moved? See, I think there's this tendency in all of our lives just to kind of slowly drift away from God. if, If you're kind of made of the same stuff that I'm made of, listen, I don't know how your world works, but when my alarm goes off in the morning, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to me and say, hey buddy, it's me, it's time to go. Here's my word. Come on, come on. Let's just reconnect real easily. No, like the alarm goes off and I'm like, oh, you know, what's it? You know, and I'm just like you, snooze, snooze, snooze. And then what is life? And like, I got to just like shake the selfishness off for a while, you know, and then I've got to start like remembering like trust Christ, follow God, drift towards Jesus because there's this tendency inside of me to drift away from God, not towards him. I wonder, have you forsaken God? Maybe you forsook God in your time because you got busy. And then you forsook God in in your thinking because you just got distracted. Then you started to forsake God in your talking because you got more fired up and excited about what was going on in the NBA playoffs. Maybe you forsook God in the way that you were spending your money and used to spend for kingdom things, but now you just, you want that new thing for yourself. Then you forsook God a little bit in your acting and you started, you started doing some things that once you thought were displeasing to God, but now and then you first took God a little bit in your marriage and used to be the couple that would go to church and we would pray together, but we just kind of slowly drifted away from that. Then we started to forsake God in our family. Have you forsaken God? And typically it's just one little step at a time and we are drifted away from God. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, how, how do I know if I've forsaken God? 
Like, what are some of the things that, that someone that is not forsaken God, what are they doing? And well, Jeremiah, he tells us earlier in chapter two, he gives us like three things that the people once did, and this will help us know how I've forsaken God. The first thing is that you used to be devoted. You used to be devoted. Jeremiah says, man, you used to love God. The second thing is you used to pursue God. You used to be dedicated in that relationship with God. And in verse three, Jeremiah, he says, man, you used to be holy and set apart. So how do you know if you for a second God when you used to be devoted, you used to pursue him, you used to be set apart or holy to God? I wonder, do you have a used to faith? Like when you're talking with your grandkids about your faith, do you say things like, well, back in my day, I used to, man, I used to be in the choir and I used to sing, I used to lead the prayer ministry and your grandkids are looking at you going, well, what happened? Do you have a used to faith? Man, when I was in youth group, man, I used to be, there was a time in my life when, boy, me and Jesus, we were like this. When, when I was in college, man, we saw God do some amazing things and I was right in the center of it. When I was a young adult, are the best days of your relationship with God behind you? Have you forsaken the Lord? And Jeremiah's saying, when you forsake the Lord, man, it's evil. And it's going to cause ruin in your life. There will be consequences when we forsake our relationship with God. Jeremiah says it like this in verse 19. He just says, your wickedness will punish you. God doesn't have to punish you. He'll just let the thing play out. He says, your backsiding will rebuke you. Know, therefore, and see that it is an evil and bitter thing. And here's the key point of Jeremiah's message. That you have forsaken the Lord your God. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I can look back in times of my life where, where there's been, there's been uh, relational wounds, there's been walls that I've hit and relational pain because I forsook God. Maybe you're here this morning, the reason why you're experiencing financial wounds is because you have forsaken your relationship with God. Maybe you're here this morning, the reason why you're riddled with anxiety or mental health issues is because somewhere along the way, you just kind of drifted away from your relationship with God. Listen, when you forsake the opportunity to follow your father's leadership and you choose independence over intimacy with the father, it's not going to end well for you. And here's what we do, right? We hit those walls and we start thinking, man, who put this wall here? And we hit those walls and we start thinking, well, who, who, who put me in this place to begin with? Stupid walls. This isn't my fault. Or we start thinking, I'm just gonna hit walls the rest of my life. And this morning, we need to take inventory and we need to take ownership and ask ourselves, have we forsaken the Lord? And if we've hit wall after wall after wall, we, it just may be that you have left your relationship with God. And again, not that you hate God, if you were to ask me back in some of those seasons of my life, like, man, what are you, what are you doing here? Why do you keep hitting? Why are you in this pain? And, and then if you were to ask, do you hate God? I'd be like, no, I don't hate God. I'm, I don't hate God. And then if you were to follow up and say, well, Chad, then how are you loving God? I would say, well, that's a good question. Have you forsaken the Lord? And listen, when we forsake God, it's going to hurt. Jeremiah, again, in verse 13, he says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves or dug themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. If you're taking notes, evil number two that Jeremiah says is this. You've built broken cisterns. You've built broken cisterns. 
Again, a cistern is a receptacle that, that holds water. It's like a big bucket that holds water. You get the picture, right? Like he's saying that you've traded the fountain of living water that's meant to satisfy you, that's meant to, to be the thing that just seeps inside of your soul and, and brings you spiritual satisfaction. And you've traded it for a broken bucket that can only bring temporary satisfaction. That Jeremiah is saying, it is evil, it is not good, it is wicked, it will cause ruin or injury if you try to find soul satisfaction in anything other than God. I wonder, what are you looking to to give you only what God can give you? What cisterns are you shoveling? Or to put it bluntly, where are you trying to find satisfaction outside of Christ? I want you to think about different places that we try to find satisfaction in our life and and this could represent, you know, the different places that we try to go to find satisfaction. And maybe this represents our soul, you know. And I think about the different places that I've gone to to try to find satisfaction in my life, like places like, you know, people. You know, if I, if I get the right person in my life, get the right friend group, you know, if I get, you know, if I get the, right, the right people to like me, then I'm going to be satisfied spiritually. There's, there's a hole in that bucket. A lot of people, they think, you know what? I'm just gonna get on the dating app and I'm gonna find the thirst trap, I'm gonna swipe right on him and that's gonna complete me. Or you know what, I'm single and the antidote to my singleness is marriage and so I need to find someone that I need to find my Jerry Maguire, I need to find my Noah from the notebook, I need to find my whoever you have identified as the person that you need to find in your life and then I'm gonna put all of my energy and all of my effort into that relationship. Listen, marriage will not satisfy you. And if you're looking to marriage or you're looking to friends or you're looking to someone to give you what only God can give you, you're gonna leave empty. Some of you are not looking to people. Maybe you're looking to um, prosperity. You know, you think, man, if I get some money and if I get like Rockefeller, there's just one more dollar. And if I get in the right neighborhood, I can buy the Tesla or I can buy the Lambo or I can buy the, the F-150 King Ranch Edition. You know, like I'm gonna get that thing. And once I get in that neighborhood or I drive that thing, then I'm gonna be satisfied. But listen, if you're looking to prosperity or things to give you what only God can give you. Listen, there's a hole in that bucket. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's pleasures. You know, if I just get enough bluebell ice cream when I'm lonely, you know, if I get, if I get that drug or if I can have that cocktail in that environment and I go to the Percheron and the crossroads and I start seeing like, look at the scenes, all that stuff. Or I think, you know what, if I have a sexual experience or experiences, then that's going to be the thing that's going to complete me. And listen, you can have all those pleasures and all of those experiences, but if you think that's gonna give you soul satisfaction, there's a hole in that bucket. Well, maybe, maybe it's none of those, maybe it's performance. You know, like I'm gonna get the promotion at work, I'm gonna get into the college, get into the sorority or the fraternity, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it and perform and I'm gonna work hard. And listen, we all watched or heard about the draft that came to Kansas City this weekend. And we threw a big party down at Union Station in the crossroads this weekend, and we're cheering all of those young people on for their, uh, their opportunities to play in the NFL. But listen, everyone knows that if those people, if those men think, you know what, I've made it to the NFL, I'm gonna have soul satisfaction because I finally made it to the big stage. Every one of us knows that if you're looking to your performance to give you soul satisfaction, there's a hole in that bucket. Now, are these things wrong? Like, is it wrong to have money? Is it wrong to have people in your life that you love? Is it wrong to have you know, pleasures? Is it wrong to have performances and things that you do well? No, none of those things are wrong. 
In fact, I think you should enjoy things. I think that you should enjoy people. I think that you should do well. But if you're looking to anything outside of Jesus Christ to give you only what God Almighty can give you, you're going to leave dissatisfied. And some of us were running to thing after thing after thing. And we're like, man, I just can't get no satisfaction. And God's in heaven saying, there's a hole in that bucket. What are you looking to to give you what only God can give you? And Jeremiah, what he's saying is he's saying it's evil. If you keep digging buckets, broken buckets that hold no water, you're going to leave disappointed. I wonder, have you forsaken the fountain of living water, running to other things, thinking that they can give you what only God can give you? I think right now in a message like this, a lot of times I'll be listening to a word like this, and I'm like, man, I wish my brother was here. He needs this one. Woo! You know? And we have this tendency to start, start thinking, you know what, I, I'm good, I'm good. But listen, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And there's a tendency to look at somebody that has forsaken God, ran their face into a wall, and to be like, I'm glad that ain't me. Ha <laughs> ha, you know? Oh, like y'all ain't never judged nobody in church. Yeah. And there's a tendency inside of all of us to mock the injury of another, thinking that we're not, we're, we're not equally as susceptible to the same thing. I saw this play out in the labyrinth. My first daughter, she hit her face on the glass, and I picked up the second one, and I rushed to the first one, and I started consoling her. And, and the second daughter, Elizabeth, she mocked her sister. <laughs> Look at you, you know? I'm like siblings, you know, she's, I mean, she's just, you know, doing what sisters do and she's laughing at her and, and then Elizabeth took off on her own. I thought, don't do that. <laughs> and she forsook me at that point. While I'm consoling Lydia, my firstborn, I can't hear the scream, but I can see it through the glass. <laughs> she has made her way into the labyrinth and she has smoked her face. The second one has now. And so I pick up the one that's crying and I run through the labyrinth myself, you know, make sure I don't hit the glass. And then I come to the second one, both have hit their faces. And like a good father, I wanna capture the moment. So here's a picture of both of them. <laughs> Look, they are not loving this, you know? The point is this, we have all forsaken God in one season or another, or we all have that tendency, if we're not careful, if we choose to let go of our Father's hand, and run after things, it is inevitable that we're gonna run into some invisible thing that will cause pain in our life. And Jeremiah, he's saying it's evil, it's bad, it will cause injury and ruin if you run to broken buckets to give you what only God can give you. Listen, only the fountain of living water, Jeremiah is saying, only the fountain will satisfy the longings of your soul. I think if we're in Jeremiah's audience that day, we're, we're maybe asking the question, well, well, Jeremiah, where is this fountain? Where, where's the fountain? Like if we raise our hand, Jeremiah, but, but where, where is it? I, I want that. And Jeremiah, he would say, it's not a place, it's a person. It's not where is the fountain, it is who is the fountain. If you're asking who can give me soul satisfaction, listen, it's Christ. Jesus is the fountain of living water. He's the one that knits you together in your mother's womb. He's the one that can satisfy the longings of your soul. You and I, we have a God-sized hole in our heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. That Jesus is the fountain of living water. That Jeremiah says this fountain that we need, and it's very clear. 
If you're taking notes, don't miss this. The fountain of living water is Jesus Christ. And Jesus in John 7, he beckons all of us to come to him. He says in John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink that Jesus is the fountain of living water. And it's not this, we have to like, I don't know if you remember back in the day at school when you get in from recess and there was one water fountain by the bathroom and, and you had that, you had the water fountain, you know, monitor, one, two, three, boom. And then we all just had to kind of get a sip, get a sip and leave. That's not Jesus. It's not kind of everybody's single file line and we all get a little sip. No, it's like a river and there's room at the bank for you, I promise. And we can take in Christ and we have equal access to him because of what he did on the cross for us that Jesus is the fountain of living water. I love this imagery. I love that God would choose this timeless example to communicate his character and his goodness. Because I don't know if you know much about fountains, I don't know if you've thought about this much, but I mean, fountains, they, they're, they're satisfying. Fountains are life-giving and fountains are dynamic at least. And the reason why I share that with you is because Jesus is satisfying. Jesus is satisfying. It says this in Psalm 107.9, he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 22.26, the poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Psalm 16.11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Like the water hose after you've played a wiffle ball tournament. Like that Yeti that's got an ice cold drink after you've been doing yard work in July. Jesus will satisfy your soul. He will quench the thing that you are running towards all of these other things to give you. You will only find your resolution. You will only find your satisfaction. You will only find your contentment in Christ. He's the fountain of living water. He's satisfying and Jesus, he's also life-giving. He's life-giving. Back in the day, fountains, they were central to the livelihood of society. And so you, you would have to go to the fountain to, to water your, your animals. You'd have to go to the fountain to get water for your household. You, you had to go to this, this place to get water. And so what happened over time is they began to kind of decorate them and make them into what they are today. And, and what's happened with modern plumbing, that fountains, they've kind of lost their necessity and they've become more of an accessory. You know what I'm saying? So it's just something that we just kind of look at, but it's not something that we really need per se. Like, I, and I, I love water fountains. And so I decided to install one last year in my backyard and and I love, I just love sitting out there and hearing the, the fountain flow. My wife and I, we had a little coffee date last night. We're just sitting on the back patio drinking coffee and got the water fountain bubbling. It just sounds good, you know, and it looks good and it makes me feel good, you know. But if you were to come over to my house this, this evening for dinner and you're like, hey, what's up, Glovers? Um, can I get something to drink? And I was like, hey, hold on a second. I took you out to the fountain out in the backyard. You say, no. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need that. You got a Coke, you know what I'm saying? And so you, it'd be weird if I took you to the bubbling rock and try to get you some water out of that fountain. You would say, that's not what those are used for, that fountains in our day and age, they're more accessories than they are necessities. I wonder if Jesus is a fountain to you like my fountain is in my backyard. Has Jesus become for you more of an accessory than a necessity? Do you, do you come to places like this and do you, do you enter, entertain and engage in a relationship with Jesus because it sounds good? 
Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because you know, you just, it just looks good. You look, you look better when you're at church. Do, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because you know, he just makes me feel good. Is Jesus an accessory in your life? Or is he the necessity of your life? In fountains, back in the day when Jeremiah says, you've forsaken the fountain of living water, he's saying this was a necessity, this was essential for a livelihood. And listen, Jesus is that fountain. Jesus is the one that has come to give you life and life abundantly. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me that Jesus says that, that by the word of his power, every molecule that is you and every molecule that is this world is held together by Jesus Christ. Jesus is not an accessory. Jesus is a necessity to life. Jesus, he's satisfying. Jesus is life-giving. Jesus is also dynamic. He's dynamic. Listen, God is not some stagnant, stationary being, but rather he is dynamic and he is active and he is running after you. First John 4 says that we love because he first loved us. That there's never a time where God's presence is not pursuing his people that God is running after you like the river runs, that God is coming for you, that God is rushing towards you. But I know in a room this size, you know, with those that are tuning in, I know that there's people that are thinking, man, Chad, you don't know what I've done. When you were going through the list of ways that we've forsaken God, I I've forsaken God. And you telling me that that God would still rush towards me even though I've ran away from him. That doesn't make sense. I don't deserve that type of mercy. I don't deserve that type of forgiveness. I don't deserve that type of grace. And I would say, you're right, you don't deserve it, but you can't stop it. Because that is who God is. That God, he is dynamic. That God is rushing towards you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God demonstrated his own love for us in this. That he gave his only begotten son. That if we would believe in him, we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That day when we were in the labyrinth, and my daughters, they, they, they smoked their face, you know. And I told them, I was like, hey, y'all stay with daddy. And both of them wind up injured. And as soon as I saw the first one get hurt, listen, I ran to her. I didn't sit at the entry and say, get, you find your way out. You find your way out. Come on out. No, I ran to her. And then when I ran to her, I didn't say, see, this is what you get. You want to leave me? You want to let go of my hand? That's what you get. Then you just cry. No, that's not what I did. I did what any loving father would do. I held her while she cried. And then I helped her to get out of the situation. And the reason why I share that with you is so it is with God. If you've come in here and you've hit wall after wall after wall and you feel disconnected and distant from God Almighty and you have some sort of idea in your mind that he's sitting there at the entrance saying, yeah, come on out, you, get, you got yourself in there, you're gonna get yourself out of there. If you have some sort of idea that God's rushing towards you like a bull so that he can just, he can just poke you with condemnation and say that's what you get and gorge you with guilt, that's not the God of the Bible that God is running towards you so that he can lavish his love upon you. God is running towards you so that he can heap his hope upon you. God is rushing towards you so that he can 
pour out a deluge of mercy and grace and forgiveness so that he can hold you and comfort you even though you're the one that got you into that situation and then he can help you get you out of that situation. That's the love of God. Well, how do you know that, Chad? How do you know that? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, man. Some of you have yet to be convinced of the great love that God has for you. And I think God's in heaven saying, what else do I have to give so that you will know that I desperately and deeply and long to you, for you to know that I love you? What, what else do I have to do? God gave his only begotten son so that there, were, there would not be a shadow of a doubt in your mind that he loves you. And so if you feel like you've forsaken God and that God has forsaken you, you're wrong. And maybe, just maybe today is the day that you come home. Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what, I'm tired of hitting these same walls over and over again. I'm ready to grab my father's hand. Maybe today is the day for the first time that you actually drink from the fountain of life. Maybe today is the day that you quit running to broken places, looking to those things to give you what only God can give you. Maybe today's the day that you believe in the glorious goodness that Jesus is the fountain of living water and that you can come to him and be satisfied. I wanna invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes if that helps you to focus. I wanna ask you a couple of questions we're gonna have a time of response, then we'll transition out of here. Question number one is this, have you drank from the fountain of living water? What I mean by that is this, is this, has there been a time in your life where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your only hope for salvation? If you were to die today, would you know for certain that you would spend forever with God? Have you drank from the fountain of living water for the first time? And just maybe the reason why your soul is so parched, why your life is in such disarray, and why you're in such pain alone is because you have yet to drink from the fountain of living water. Question number one, have you drank from the fountain of living water? Question number two, are you currently drinking from the fountain of living water? When you think about your faith, are the best days of your faith behind you? Do you look at former days and think, man, I used to love God, I used to be dedicated and devoted, and I used to be holy and set apart, but for some reason I've left the opportunity to continually drink from the fountain of living water. And what if, what if today was the day you came home? What if today was the day that you stopped forsaking the Lord, the fountain of living water, and you returned back to a right relationship with Jesus Christ? Question number one, have you drank from the fountain of living water? Question number two, are you drinking from the fountain of living water? Here in a second, I'm gonna pray, but before we do that, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song called Be My Everything. 
And I'm just gonna invite you, some of you just need to sit in your seat and you need to listen to this song. And you need to ask, God, have I turned my eyes from evil things? God, what are the broken wells that I've run to? And you just need to have a moment of reflection. Others of you at every campus, the response team's gonna move up front during that song. Others of you, maybe you need to come forward because you haven't drinking from the fountain of living water. And if you need a relationship with Christ, you can move forward during this song. So we're about to sing this song at every campus. When the song starts, a response team is gonna come up. I'm gonna invite you to sit in your seat and think about this song. Unless you need a relationship with Jesus, you can come grab one of these men and women by the hand and say, hey, I need Christ. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna, we're gonna respond. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this amazing opportunity just to gather around your word. God, you're stirring in people's lives. Jesus, I, just, I pray that you would forgive me for treating you like an accessory in my life. What I know, I know from in the deepest part of my being that you're a necessity, that, I, that, that everything good that I know I would not have apart from you. I don't know why I let go of your hand so often and, and, and just forsake you and get distracted or busy, but God, help me to come back Help me to drink from the fountain of living water once again. God, I pray for my friends, if somebody doesn't know you, that today would be the day. <laughs> Why would they fight you any longer? Why would they choose wandering in a wilderness, in a desert spiritually, with the, with, when the, the invitation of living water is made available today? God, I pray that they would come and they would find life. God, I ask that we would sit in this moment, and this would be a defining moment in which we return to you. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. All the cares of his life are well set from dry. Remind me again that it I desire all that satisfies found in the lover of my soul turn my eyes take my hand lead me to your heart again take my Bring me close to you And 
When I'm singing on the mountain, let it be for you. And when my heart is prone to wander, bring me back to you. And when my eyes are filled with wonder, let it be for you. And when my soul is in the valley, bring me close to you. When I'm singing on the mountain, let it be for you. Turn my eyes, take my hand, lead me to your heart again. Oh, take my life all I am I want to be in love again oh Jesus be my everything oh Jesus be my everything thanks for joining us today If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.